Well, good morning, Beach Point. Uh, obviously, I'm not Pastor Bill. He's in Kenya, and apparently I smell better. So um, uh, my name is Jason, though. I'm the Associate Pastor of Community Life here on the Fountain Valley campus. I'm so glad you're here. You know, we're in the, <clears throat> in the middle of this series called Daring Faith. And what we're trying to look at, what we're trying to get to a place is, is to sit, be able to unpack what it means to not just have kind of a vanilla, bland faith or a faith that's like, no thanks, I'd rather stay in the boat. Um, but, but a daring faith, a bold faith. You know, and that's where the, <clears throat> this video, I mean, this, this vision that God gave us, uh, that God gave Bill, was, uh, you know, years before we got to this point. And, and we're already seeing it come to life, and it's so exciting. And, you know, this morning I want to kind of start off with a question, and it's, it's kind of a difficult question. <clears throat> and the question is simply this. Have you ever had a time where you felt God was calling you to go and you said no? Right, a while back, I was uh, minding my own business. Uh, I was going to go grocery shopping over here at Smart and Final. Thanks, Sam, for the best AC in town. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I'm thinking about the things that I didn't get done that day. You know, like you're towards the end of your day, you're processing it all. I, I'm, I'm working through it. And, and as I pull into my parking spot, you know, I... I you know how sometimes you pull into a parking spot and there's a person in their car in the spot on the other side and you just pull in and you make like super awkward eye contact? Um, <clears throat> that's what I did. And this person, uh, this woman was crying. And she wasn't just crying. I mean, she was like weeping, wailing. And, uh, and I felt kind of this nudge in my heart from the Lord to say, go, go talk to her. And, you know, I, uh, being the, in, the stature of Christian maturity, those are my friends laughing at me, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I said, uh, nope, I'm good. You know, I mean, you walk, I mean, it would have been weird. She's in her car, like, you know, I'm like, hey, lady, you know, uh, and, and so I just say to God, you know what, um, I'm going to get my groceries and be on my way. And I didn't even think about that woman until I started writing this sermon. And, uh, and I, it's, so, it's so easy to rationalize. It's so easy, like, say, God, you know, I'm really busy. It's really, I'm really good at, maybe you're not really good at this, I'm really good at explaining to God about how bad his ideas are. <laughs> right? <clears throat> I'm really good at that, right? I'm a pastor, and I'm a Christian, and I tell God his ideas are bad, and I fail to go. See, most of us can probably relate to that at some point, a time where we felt God prompting us to go somewhere or, or to do something or to say something, and we, we said no, right? Maybe, um, you, know, uh, you know, God prompted you to confront somebody, but because you don't like confrontation, I don't get that, but because you don't like confrontation, you know, you said no, or, or maybe God prompted you to go somewhere, and it just seemed too uncomfortable, so you said no, or, or maybe God prompted you to change a habit, and you were like, I just don't really want to, um, you know, or, or maybe you're in the midst of an argument, I mean, this has never happened to me and my wife, uh, you know, we're in the midst of an argument, and halfway through, like, I, I hear the Lord saying, you're wrong, <clears throat> but... I'm going to finish out the argument anyways. 
And I'm now arguing an opinion that I don't even believe in anymore. <laughs> but I'm going to be right about it. Um, I mean, I, again, I'm sure that's never happened to any of you, but, or me. See, see, most of us experience these moments where, where God gave us a little nudge, a little call, and, and we didn't respond with a yes. You know, but there are probably some times that you can remember and can recall where God said, hey, go do this. And you did. You stepped out in faith. You have these occasions in your life. See, this morning we're going to see an example in Scripture of a man who, uh, when God called him, answered with a resounding yes, and he stepped out in faith. And so we're going to learn kind of this, this big idea. That's what we call it here. It's really the sermon in a sentence. So I want to encourage you to, to grab your outlines outside of your bulletins and take notes and follow along. This, this uh, first thing I want you to write down, it, it's kind of the hub of everything we're talking about and, and what we're going to see in the life of this individual from Hebrews 11. And, it, and this is the first thing, and it's this. When God calls, we go in faith. When God calls, we go in faith. When God asks you to do something, you trust him. And so you do it in faith. When God asks you to go somewhere, you trust him. And so you go there in faith. When God asks you to say something, you trust him. And so you say it in faith. Right? And for some of you, this idea of like God calling may be weird. Like, what do you mean? Like, is he going to like call my cell phone? Or, you know, um, some, some of you may have these things that are plugged into cords. A home phone, I think is what it's called. But um, <clears throat> maybe, you know, what, what, what is he going to call me there? You know, I don't know. Calling essentially in a nutshell is this. It's the prompting of God in your life to join him in his mission of loving the world and reconciling the world. That's it. It's God saying, join me. Prompt in your heart. That's it. That's all it is. It's not a mystery. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to know Greek. That's it. God's invitation and your response. That's what calling means. <clears throat> and so... Uh, with this in mind, I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, uh, the, the sometimes called the Faith Hall of Fame. Uh, and so if you didn't bring a Bible or you, uh, or you don't want to use your mobile device, it's on page 1212 in the Bibles and the racks in front of you. And so uh, in, in, the, in the story we're going to be looking at, we're going to be looking at a guy named Abraham. And Abraham, <clears throat> we, we hear about him, there's three verses in this chapter about him. And those three verses, even though they're, they're kind of short, they're packed full of so much to teach us. Uh, and so well, what I want to do is I want to kind of look at the passage and then I want to draw out three principles, one from each verse. Three lessons that we can learn about going in faith when God calls. And so if you would read along with me in Hebrews 11, beginning in verse 8. By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. So like I said, I want to draw three principles out, one from each verse. And the first one, and the next thing I want you to write down is this, is that when God calls, we don't always know where we're going. When God calls, we don't always know where we are going. So in this verse, uh, in verse 8, right, it, it, it tells us God called him 
And, and he went even though he didn't know where he was going to go. Uh, every once in a while, <clears throat> when uh, I'm going out on a date with my wife, I will just tell her, you know, she'll, she'll say, hey, what are we doing tonight? I'm like, don't worry about it. You know, and then, she'll, and then I'll, the only thing I've learned after 15 years, the thing I need to tell her is, okay, this is how you need to dress for wherever we're going. Right? Like, okay, so, you know, we're going to go to the beach and it's going to at night, so don't wear a tank top. Um, you know, uh, so I've told, I've, you know, I tell her, hey, you know, we're going to go walking, so make sure you have some shoes that you feel comfortable in or, or whatever, right? And because she trusts me, I mean, with this sort of thing, um, <laughs> so true, <laughs> because she trusts me with this sort of thing, for the most part, um, she just does it. She, she, she dresses in the, the clothing that I tell her that she's going to need to wear, and then we go out and we have, we have a good date, even though she doesn't know the destination. Because she trusts the planner, the destination is irrelevant. Right? Abraham was from a city named Ur, located on the Euphrates River, which is essentially today southern Iraq. And then he moves his whole family, uh, his father moves his family to, from Ur to Haran. And, and then Abraham's father passes away there in Haran. And they have this, uh, they have this, this land there. They have this property. This, this, uh, it's, it's, pretty, it's a pretty sizable property, actually. And, and after his father passes away, Abraham hears the call of God in his life. And we read it in Genesis 12. It'll, we're going to throw it up here on the screen. It says this, it says, the Lord had said to Abram, uh, by the way, same guy, God changes his name later, don't have time for it, okay, uh, go, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you uh, and whoever curses you, I will curse and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. So the bookend of these four verses starts out of this. It says, God called Abram, or Abraham. And then in verse 4, so Abraham got up and went. Crazy thing about this verse, this, these words in this passage, where it says Abraham got up and went, the word there is to immediately get up. It's as though he's sitting down, and while God's voice is still ringing in his heart and his ears, he gets up. It's like when you tell your kids, like, hey, can you do this? Not now, but right now. I don't know if you ever say that, but you should use it. It's good. And, um, you know, <clears throat> so it's like when you tell your kids and they get up and they do it immediately. It's like that. That one time your kids did that. Um, <laughs> Abraham got up and went immediately, even though he didn't know where he was going. Right? And it's perfectly, you know, reasonable for Abraham, in this moment, to say, like, hey, God, where am I going to go? Where am I going? But he doesn't. He gets up and he leaves, right? It's normal. It, you know, we're like a, we're a, you know, a, a Google Maps generation. And I know some of you still use this thing called the Thomas Guide. Um, I mean, <clears throat> I use it as a paperweight. But, um, but you know, we, we want to know our, gen, our destination, rather. We want to know where we're going to end up, and we want to know exactly how we're going to get there. And it would have been perfectly normal for Abraham to look at God, and God said, hey, get up and go. And for Abraham to say, where? 
And then God would essentially have responded, don't worry about it. And I guess the thing that I, I want to I highlight from this is that God, I, I don't know, I think God, when we ask him where, probably thinks something along the lines of, why do you care so much about the destination and not about who you're walking with? Why are you so focused on needing to control where you end up instead of spending time with the one you're walking with to get there? You know, for me in my life, uh, my wife and I, um, we, this is the longest we've ever been in one place here at Beach Point this time. Uh, we've been here for six years. We've never, we never lived in any place longer than, than four before this. This is actually the longest I've ever lived uh, in a house since I was three years old, uh, where we're at right now. And, and this stresses me out. This just, I mean, the idea of not knowing where we're going stresses me out. But the truth is, I mean, I think about our baptismal vows, right? I, I'm ba- I baptize people. I got baptized here. Um, and, and we ask people, hey, is it your promise today to the best of your ability with God's help to follow him no matter where he leads you, no matter what it costs you? And the truth is, is that that's the call of every person who chooses to follow Jesus. No matter where. Because a great, a great guy I know always used to say it this way. The man who walks with God always arrives at the correct destination. The woman who walks with God always arrives at her correct destination. It's not about the destination. It's about who you're going with. So Abraham got up immediately and left. Because he knew that he was going there. Right? When God calls, we don't always know where we're going. But we do know where, who we're going with. And so we can trust. And this is difficult, right? This is hard. But it does get a little bit more difficult as the verses go on. Uh, and, and not only do we not always know where we're going, but once we get there, and this is the next thing I want you to write down, is that where God calls is not always comfortable. Where God calls is not always comfortable. We not only have to grapple with the uncertainty of where God is leading us, we also have to come to terms with the fact that wherever he lands us may be way beyond the limits of our comfort zone. Right? You may be in a season like that right now. You know, in verse 9, we'll throw it up here on the screen, he says, By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs of the same promise. So, you know, if you remember me telling you, right, he had a huge chunk of land in Haran. God says, get up and go, and I want you to go to this place. Um, I'll, tell you on, I'll tell you about it on the road. Um, uh, actually, I'll tell you about it when we get there. Uh, and then when you get there, then I'll tell you why you're going to get there. Um, you know, God doesn't even give him the promise until he enters the, until he enters the land. <clears throat> and then when he gets there, he says, oh, by the way, you're going to have to live in a tent. Now, I know that some of you are under a delusion. The delusion is, is that tent camping is okay. <laughs> okay? Some of you, I don't know how you do, you've convinced yourself of this. Um, you know, there's no masseuse there. There's no poolside, OK? 
okay? I don't know. But, 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 but some of you have, have convinced yourself that tent camping is good and you like it. And that's fine. Do whatever you want. But I, I mean, I'm never going tent camping with you, just to be clear. Um, you can stay in the tent and I'll stay in the hotel. And, uh, but think about it. If I said this, like, hey, so here's what I want you to do. You've got this super great place to live. Um, and it, I mean, you know, you turn on a light switch and the lights come on. You, you know, you pull the faucet up and clean water comes out. And, you know, you, you turn the heater on and you're warm. You know, in the summer, you know, for those three days that it's hot, you can turn the fans on and, you know, uh, or apparently in El Nino, you can wear shorts and flip-flops. Um, what, whatever, right? And then I'm going to tell you, I want you to leave all that and I want you to live for the rest of your life out of a tent. And not only do I want you to live outside in a tent, I want you to go to a place that is completely different than you. I want you to go to a place that that everyone there practices a different religion than you, that everyone there practices different customs, that everyone there thinks differently than you, and everyone there hates you. And I want you to stay there for the rest of your life. Just to be clear, that's what God called Abram to do. He lived in a tent outside of a city that was totally different than anything he knew. And God said, this is where I want you. See, we are under this delusion um, in, our, in our safe Jesus bubble, in our like, don't get out of the boat faith bubble, that anytime you feel discomfort or pain or struggle or suffering, that you are outside the will of God because God would never do that. See story I just said. Pain and difficulty and discomfort is not an indicator that you are outside the boundaries of God's will. In fact, if Abram's story is anything... It's a great indicator that you're there. So if you're, I I, I don't know, maybe maybe you're under this this uh, this practice that anytime you feel discomfort, anytime you feel um, you know pain or suffering, you veer in a different direction. Next time that happens, because I'm not saying that pain or suffering is always God's will. I don't I don't believe that. But next time you're there, right before you veer off, could you just pause and say? God, is this where you want me? Because I'm about to bail. But I'll stay if you tell me. You see, maybe you've been, in, you've been coming here week in, week out for these last four weeks. And, or excuse me, these last three weeks. And you, uh, you've been hearing about this daring faith that we've been talking about. And you've been hearing stories from the scriptures and stories from people. And God's been starting to stir stuff up in your life. God's been starting to stir stuff up up that's uncomfortable. Maybe repurposing your business. Maybe living on less to be more generous. Maybe uh, going and taking care of that conflict that you avoid like the plague. Or maybe you're a student and you're in a class and you, you're in this class and in this class that you have, you always hear people talk about the Bible and bash Christianity and, and you know the Bible verses that they're saying and, and, 
and you stand there and you have to make a choice. Right? This doesn't just happen at school. This happens among friends. They make blanket statements about who God is. And you don't get butterflies in your stomach, right? You get rhinos, right? Your palms are sweaty, okay? And, and you have to make a choice. Do I speak up for the Lord or not, right? Or, or maybe you're a parent and you've, uh, you know, your kids maybe are, are, are older or younger. It doesn't matter. And the sole focus of your life has been to instill daring faith in them, And you look at them and you say, look at how great they're doing. And maybe in this series, God's saying, well, what about you? Because the best way to teach your kids something has nothing to do with words. It has everything to do with modeling. Our kids become who we are, not what we say. See, every day, each one of us sees countless opportunities to meet the needs of those around us, but we don't. Because it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable, like me, when I said no. It's uncomfortable to talk to a stranger at times when they look like they could use a friend. Right? It's uncomfortable to speak with uh, love and kindness and gentleness when you're angry. It's uncomfortable to give when you don't know where it's going. Or or even worse, when you do know where it's going and you disagree with what it's going to be used for. It's uncomfortable to disrupt your schedule. It's uncomfortable to lay down your rights for your friend or your spouse to serve them. It's more comfortable to be right than it is to serve. But God calls us to do this each and every day. And if we just pay attention, we'll see opportunities all the time. See, when God calls, we go in faith. And even though we don't always know where we're going, and even though it might uh, not be very comfortable, it is possible for us to do that. It is possible for us to go in faith. I know if you're like me, you hear these first two points and you're like, well, gee, thanks for the pep talk. Um, but the truth is, is that how do we endure those things, the discomfort and the, and the lack of knowledge, the lack of information. Well, this is the, I'm going to give you the point and then we'll look at the verse. It's the next thing I want you to write down. It's this, that when God calls, keep your eyes on his bigger plan. This is how we do it. This is how we arrive. It's not by positive thinking. It's not by trying harder. It's not by doing more. It's not by you, 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 you. It's by having God give you vision and being willing to stay on the path, right? Think about this story. Verse 10, we'll read verse 10. It says this, For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. By the way, that first word there, for, essentially means, hey, here's the reason he's able to do this. Here's the reason he's able to leave his land. Here's the reason he's able to to live as a stranger in, in total discomfort. Because he was looking forward to the city whose architect was God. Right? And Abraham saw in his mind, or I don't, I don't know how, but the scriptures tell us that somehow Abraham was able to keep his eyes on the city Jerusalem hundreds of years before it ever got built. 
In fact, he kept his eyes on the, on the future Jerusalem that God was going to build that city and never saw a single stone paved. Never once did he see any results. And he said, just wait. Just wait. It's going to be beautiful. And some commentators, as they read this passage and they interpret this passage, they say that, that God gave Abraham not only a, a vision of the Jerusalem that, uh, that was going to be built you know, thousands of years ago, but also the new Jerusalem that God's going to build for his people in the next age. That when he comes again, when we go to, to dwell there, it, you know, the, the, the ability to arrive at your destination is all about what you're paying attention to, right? I coach my, my son's baseball team. You know, uh, I, I've been coaching him for years. I love it. And, you know, you're coaching little kids, and so you want to try to help make things as simple as possible. And, and when I talk to them about throwing a baseball, you know, it's not, it's not as, you know, simple as it sounds, but I try to just say, look, it's really easy. If you want the ball to arrive at the target, everything has to point there. So I say, foot, glove, eyes, finish. Everything moves towards the target. And I tell them, if you, if you put your glove here, you're going to throw here. If you put your glove over here, you're going to throw over there. If you put your eyes over here, you're going to throw here. Every time. But if you want to hit your target, all you have to do is point everything towards it, and you'll hit it every time. The same thing is true with the Lord. What do you keep your eyes on? Let me ask you this question. Is the new Jerusalem an idea to you? Because every single brick is real. Every single house that he is building is real. Every fruit will taste sweet. Everything you do will be real. It's a real place. What do you look at? Do you look at the fact that Jesus is coming again and when he comes, he's bringing a city and an earth with him? Or do you look at, do you do this? Man, my circumstances, my problems, my life, my stuff, my issues, that person, those people, their views. Or do you do this? I don't know how you're going to do it, God. I don't know how it's all going to happen, but I know I'm, I'm living there with you. The only way that you will make it through hardship, through struggle, through pain, through suffering, is not by looking at you, but by looking at God's bigger plan and saying, I see. I see it. I see what he's going to do. Where do you look? So what does this look like for us today? How do, how do we live this out day in and, and day out? Because the truth is, I mean, what, what I'm talking about today, um, it, 
it, it might be difficult. It might cost you a ton financially. It might cost you relationally. But God is inviting each and every one of us to keep our eyes on his bigger plan to arrive there with him. And so it's really simple. We've broken it down really, really easy for you. And hopefully you guys have your bookmarks, right? What we're asking you throughout this series, instead of, instead of looking for, um, you know, vanilla faith or, uh, you know, don't, don't make me get out of the boat faith, to look for daring faith in, one of, in three ways. How is God calling you to grow in your faith? How is God calling you to sow in faith? And how is God calling you to go in faith? By the way, uh, I, I, said, I did this video for Life Groups, and I know not a lot of them watched it, but, uh, but if you come to church here every Sunday and, and you're like, you know, a little bit older than me and down, um, every weekend you reap the benefit of what you didn't sow. The generation before you, before you sowed this building. And some of them never got to see the thousand people that come in it each week. But they saw what God was calling them to do. And so what we're asking is, how is God going to cause you to grow? What steps of faith is he going to ask you to do? How is he calling you to sow for the next generation? And where is he calling you to go? See, the thing is, is that God doesn't only call us to go. He also promises us that he'll be with us and that he will provide the strength. I mean, this is a really good deal, by the way, right? If you, if you had to sign on the dotted line of this deal, here's the deal. I'll, I'll put it out in a nutshell. Hey, you have an, uh, an all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving, all-present guy who's going to provide every single thing that you need. And while it may seem temporarily uncomfortable, what you will receive in return is a heart so full that it will be like an overflowing cup and it costs you nothing. But it costs the one who's giving you everything. Everything. Uh, would, you, would you like? Oh, okay, no? Okay, cool. I, that's a sweet deal. If somebody told you, hey, I'm going to give you the best car in the world. I paid for it. All you got to do is, uh, in fact, you don't even have to pick it up. I actually just send it to your house. Um, the keys are in the ignition. Um, you know, if you want it, um, great, drive it. It's yours. Oh, by the way, I forgot. I put the keys. Uh, there was a, another key in there. That, it's parked at your new house. Everything's free. And it's like you, when, when we don't respond in faith, when we, don't, we choose not to grow, it's like you walking up to the house and sitting on the sidewalk and saying, wow, look at that house. Look at that car. That's so great over there. I'll stay right here, though. And so I've I got to ask you two questions, or, or, or I hope that you would ask yourself two questions today. The first one is this. This is the next thing I want you to write down. Where? Where has God been nudging your heart to go? Maybe it's to your home. Maybe some of you, you worship and serve your job, and you neglect your family. It is a universal command from the Lord to love and serve 
our family. And so I would ask you, who do you serve? Because your job should be way down on the bottom of that list. Do you give them the leftovers or do you give them the best? Maybe God's calling you to go to your home. Maybe God's calling you to go to your school. Maybe a particular class even. Or maybe your business, you have a a relationship with somebody. And God's saying, um, it's time to to cultivate that relationship because we're going to do something huge. What are we going to do, God? Don't worry about it. We'll get there together. Or maybe it's to another place in the world. You've been here week in and week out, and you're like, this, this, this place in the world just keeps coming on your mind. And no matter how you try to fight it, it always pops back up. It could be near, or it could be across the globe. Where has God been nudging your heart to go? And the second question that I'd hope you'd ask yourself today is this, is that who has God been placing on your heart to go to? Who has God been placing on your heart to go to? Maybe some of you, you've been here these last three weeks, and God's been, God's been kind of putting this big thing on your heart um, that, that the way that you love your spouse is nowhere near the way Jesus loved the church. And God's saying, enough. Maybe, maybe it's to your kids. Maybe you, maybe you have time for everything else, but you don't model Christ for them. Remember, we talked about the best way to show, or excuse me, the best way to teach daring faith in your kids is just have daring faith yourself. Maybe it's to a conflict, a family conflict, a friend conflict, that you just like, as you're walking towards it, as you're thinking about it, mentally you just hang a quick left and get out of there. Or maybe it's to himself. Maybe you've been coming here week in and week out. You've been hearing about Jesus. You've been hearing about the life he's called you to. And and you've never said yes to him. You've never said, yes, I want to follow Jesus. And today you're hearing that and saying, that sounds radically different and uncomfortable and kind of crazy, but like my heart's on fire right now and I, I I can't shake it. I would say to you, if that's you, that's Jesus saying to you, Welcome home. Come home. Follow me. Maybe it's your 8 to 15. Maybe it's time to stop making your 8 to 15 card a nice bookmark in your Bible. And it's time to start making it a roadmap for your relationships. Maybe somebody in your 8 to 15, you've been, you've been praying over them and you've been listening to them and, and eating with them and and serving them, and now you're at the last part where you're going to share your story with them, and you just are terrified out of your mind. Maybe God's saying, go. Go. See, today, to, to uh, close our, our, our time uh, of uh, our message together, but, but to continue in worship, we're going to respond. To be honest, the, the only way I really think is appropriate, and we're going to... We're going to um, take of the Lord's Supper. We're going to have communion today. And, and I want you, you know, if you don't know what communion is, it's two symbols. There's the, the bread, which symbolizes Jesus' body 
and the cup, which symbolizes his blood. And, and as we're talking about daring to go, what better place to look to than to say, let's look at the one who went the distance for us. The one who stopped at nothing to show you and me that he loves us. See, in communion, we celebrate the Lord's first coming and we look forward to his second coming. We celebrate the fact that he died and rose again on the cross and we look forward to the fact that he's coming back for those who are his. And I would just ask you during this time of communion to reflect, to pause, and to ask those two questions. As you, as you look at and respond to the Lord and looking at his death on the cross and looking at his sacrifice, in light of that, would you just simply ask God where and who? Two very simple and yet potentially life-altering questions. Where and who, God? In light of the fact that you gave it all, and I want to follow you, where and who? I want to remind you that in the trays, there's two cups, and the bottom cup has the, the bread in it. And you can take, uh, when you're ready, take the bread and take the cup. But I would encourage you, as I invite you into a posture of reflection, to just be daring enough to start by saying, God, I don't know what it's going to look like, and I'm a little terrified to ask you. But where? And who? As the ushers come forward, I'm going to pray, and then you can have your time of prayer. Lord, would you help us in this time? God, we are asking you some big stuff. Would you help us have the faith to not only have ears that hear, but also have the faith to have hands and feet that go. Jesus, as we look at your sacrifice on the cross, as we reflect on your mercy and your, and your salvation, may you speak to our hearts. Jesus, we thank you for your life, your birth, life, death, and resurrection. And we look forward to seeing you again. And we know that even now you are constructing and designing a place for us. So it's this we look forward to. In your name.